Shall we turn our Bibles to Matthew's Gospel and chapter number 6 and we're going to read from verses 5 to 15. Matthew's Gospel chapter 6, we read verses 5 to 15. The Word of God is powerful. The Word of God brings life to us. The Word of God gives strength to us as we study His Word. The Word of God gives instruction as to how we ought to conduct ourselves, how we need to order our lives around the teachings of Scripture. We're going to be looking at um, what I would title as priceless private prayer. Priceless private prayer. And I think that's exactly what we heard from the Lord this morning through uh, the prophetic word as well. How Esther prayed, fasted and prayed for the whole nation. And because she fasted and prayed, uh, the Lord gave her the courage and God gave her the wisdom to act the right way. And she goes into the king's uh, palace, uh, into his courtyard, and he speaks to the king. And immediately the king responds. The king responds very positively in such a manner where he... Uh, you know, throws, she throws a banquet and he's willing to come to sit in the banquet. And you know what happens is just soon after that, he, she has an opportunity to speak to the king about this and the decree that has been sent out by Haman in a very cunning way. And uh, immediately Haman himself is hanged in the gallows which was prepared by him for Mordecai. And what happens is everything turns around instantaneously. While there was a decree that was pronounced for all the Jews to be annihilated, here comes a decree that uh, through the prayer and the efforts of Esther that everything is now revoked. Another decree is sent out everywhere that Jews will not be killed on that day. This is amazing. This is a powerful uh, story of how prayer works. The reality of prayer, the... Uh, significance of prayer, the power in prayer, the, uh, uh, the way prayer can make a difference in our lives is simply incredible. And so what we need to really do is to get on our knees and pray. And many times, many things never change because we have not prayed or we have not prayed enough. Many times, many situations don't change. Many people don't change because we have not prayed. And God wants us to sincerely Pray and seek his face. And that's exactly what the prophetic word to us this morning. In Matthew's gospel, chapter 6, if you read from verses 5 to 15, and let's read that. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father 
will not forgive you here is a prayer a model prayer that jesus is teaching to his disciples and this is not something that we have to ritualistically repeat like a parrot um and this is not some kind of a mantra kind of thing where if you just say this again and again some good thing will happen but this is a pattern which jesus is teaching to the disciples is how they should pray because they are asking jesus we see in another gospel account that the disciples come and ask him lord teach us how we need to pray now jesus is giving this uh, teaching along with many others from beginning from chapter 5 all the way down to chapter 7 now in chapter 6 the portion that we are studying we're looking at this morning is the teaching of how we need to pray now remember prayer is something which is not um only done in a corporate setup or you know when we gather together in this fashion but prayer is something which is a personal lifeline for each one of us it is something that can actually sustain us it's something that like food like water like air yeah like um the basic necessities of life which are needed for us to survive that's how prayer is for a child of god that's how prayer is for a believer because prayer is not just a ceremonial practice that is uh, done in a certain way during uh, a, a, a christian religious um you know program that's how many people have viewed prayer that this is something which is a very ritualistic uh, form a pattern which is done in a in a in a holy place in a a place of worship where people say a certain things read certain things in a certain way and in a certain tone and then they believe that's what is prayer it can be read it can be said in a certain tone uh, it can be chanted it can be sung it can be uh, said uh, you know by words it can have any form to it but the point is jesus is calling everyone to a life of prayer and in fact when he's speaking to the crowds and to the disciples here he assumes that everybody prays because he starts off by in the prayer section when we the passage we read he starts off saying when you pray and when you pray do not be like the hypocrites for they love to pray standing in the synagogues verse 5 and on the street corners to be seen by men i tell you the truth they have received their reward in full don't just pray like the pagans like the hypocrites he is cautioning people of god how they ought to pray and how they should not pray while we understand that prayer is important we need to understand also how we need to pray and what kind of uh, attitude or what kind of a heart that we need to have while we pray what really matters more than the um the practice of prayer or the the aspect of prayer even beyond that what is more important is the heart with which we pray very often many people pray but they really don't have the right spirit or the right heart with which they pray they don't have the right attitude with which uh, they ought to pray and sometimes some people fail to pray itself they don't even pray they don't spend time with god and so we're going to be looking at this morning how uh, a personal private prayers are priceless they are very precious they're very important and why it's important how we can make prayer uh, a lifeline for us and how it can cause a great impact in our lives 
how it can produce great results we're going to look at that this morning and so number one we're going to see here is the practice of the hypocrites the practice of prayer during in the practice of prayer how the hypocrites pray that's what jesus is talking about he's cautioning them saying do not be like the hypocrites for what do they do they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men so they're really not praying to uh, pray to god but they're praying for the sake of being seen by men in other words they want to feed um you know on their own pride they want people to see them uh, they want to see, uh, people to see how religious they are how devoted they are to god that they are better than others um and he calls them that these people are hypocrites these are not uh, genuine people they are not sincerely seeking god but they are just putting on a show of seeking god and that's a very dangerous um a uh, place that anybody can be in and it's possible for any of us uh to also slip into that place because we could actually have our hearts going away from the lord slowly and then we could be going through a worship time like this we could be going through a personal prayer time maybe in our homes and actually just saying certain things for the sake of saying certain things uh or because people are around us and they are there and they're listening to us uh, pray and so we want to say some very flowery words we want to be impressive we want to sound like we are praying because people are watching us that's what hypocrisy is all about but prayer is not about uh, how we present ourselves well how eloquent we are with our words it's not about the volume of words that we use uh because even uh, he goes on to talk about how the pagans are babbling with words you know verse 7 when you pray do not keep on babbling like pagans for they think they will be heard because of their many words and so it is not even necessary for us to be repetitive and uh, we don't have to constantly keep on saying the same thing like some kind of a um you know a mantra or some kind of a thing that will uh, make something happen in the supernatural if we re- say it again and again some people have misunderstood prayer in such a way where they would say the same thing 10 times uh, it's not needed but of course there are times well uh, with great affection for the lord with great love for him uh, when we are stirred in our spirit and uh, we are passionately praying we might say it again and again but in that sense it's fine but not in the sense of where we have to beat ourselves down by shouting and screaming and saying things again and again repetitively that that's when we can catch god's attention no even before you ask he already knows what you need before you even ask him hallelujah you look at verse number 8 do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask him he already knows And so let's not be practicing prayer like the hypocrites don't pray like them uh, because they were uh, wanting to catch people's attention and the focus was not on god but the focus was on men and it was uh, you know because of their spiritual pride or the religious pride or they wanted to show that they were above others that they are better than others that's why they were praying in street corners and in the synagogues now praying uh the second thing we're going to look at the place of prayer we'll look at where they are praying they're praying in the synagogues and the street corners now is that wrong <laughs> it's absolutely not wrong synagogue is a is a place of prayer it's a place where the jews gathered together to worship god and to listen to the word of god 
So synagogue is not a bad place to pray. It's not a wrong place to pray. It's the right place to pray. Street corners, is that a wrong place to pray? No, either. You can pray anywhere. You can pray while you're having a shower. You can pray while you're walking. You can pray while you're eating. You can pray, um, you know, while you're, um, uh, you know, standing in a street corner. Anywhere. You're in a park, any public place. You're traveling. You might be riding your bike, your car, driving, whatever. You can be praying anywhere. The place of prayer really does not matter. God is not particular that we should only pray in a particular place. But what was wrong was that they chose those places, in other words, public places to display their prayer. It was not about, you know, just about praying in those places that Jesus is against. But the point is Jesus is against their choice of places for the sake of public attention. And so the focus of prayer, the place where we pray and go, Jesus goes on to talk about go and shut the door and close the door, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father, you know, privately, secretly, who is unseen. The God who sees you praying in private will reward you openly. Amen. And so the point is where we receive an answer publicly and not be praying just for the sake of public attention. These are good places to pray, but this is not, prayer is not for the sake of the public eye. Now, if probably the Bible was written on Jesus was in the 21st century, he would have probably said it a little differently. Don't pray so that people will take pictures of you and shoot videos of you (laughs) and post them on Facebook and on Instagram. (laughs) Maybe that's how the Bible would have been written if Jesus was here in the 21st century. Because that's the kind of attention that you get if you post anything Um, on social media it's very powerful and people think about you in a certain way and the way you can post things uh, in a social media platform you can be taking pictures uh, selfies of yourself praying Uh, probably you can time them and place cameras around you and be posting them and then people will think oh what a spiritual person wow you know you can be posting pictures of you praying in street corners and people think man this man this guy must be you know someone who just jumped out from heaven (laughs) you know so today you know that's how we can be actually projecting the way we are spiritual maybe it's not just about prayer but even about anything about our own spiritual life where we can be actually publicizing it for the sake of public attention and jesus is saying that's hypocrisy there's nothing wrong about posting some events or posting of your prayer or uh, uh, what do you think about God or anything on um, a social media platform. Do it and that will touch many people's lives. But if you're doing it just for the sake of catching people's attention because we want more likes on our page and because we want more uh, comments and more shares and we want people to um, you know, uh, follow us more, we want more following, we want to mobilize a bigger crowd to follow us. If it's just for that purpose, then we are missing the point of prayer of all our spirituality, amen? And so that's the hypocrisy that Jesus is talking about. So number one, we looked at the practice of prayer where it has, it is not for People, it's, but it's to God. It's not for the praise of men. It's not for that. But actually, uh, we are praying to the Lord. We're speaking to the Lord. And the place of prayer, we looked at that with Jesus addressing. And then we're looking at the posture in prayer. Uh, what is the posture they're taking? They're standing in the synagogues uh, and on the street corners to be seen by men. Standing. Is it wrong to pray by standing? <laughs> 
absolutely wrong you know perfectly fine whether you stand or sit or you lie down some people old folks will say and that's not right that's wrong preaching but the point is wherever you are in whichever position you are you might be kneeling down you might be you know um in a lying position maybe you're very weak you are sick you can't even kneel probably you can't stand you might be praying lying down but the posture is not the focus you know now these people are standing and praying the focus is not about praying but they are standing to catch attention so while we pray our posture is about the heart the posture on the heart more than the physical posture of course the physical posture is important it's good if we can kneel and pray probably some people have arthritis and you can't even bend your knee maybe it might be difficult for you to kneel and pray maybe you got a uh, knee replacement done maybe that's uh, metal and screws right there in the in the knee you may not be able to kneel and pray it might pain might hurt and so we don't have to go through pain and beat ourselves down and uh, seek for god's attention so that that's when god will hear me no but the point is the matter of the heart that we have a good posture in prayer where we kneel before the lord in humility and submission to him and where we are not doing a public posture we can be even kneeling down but for the sake of catching people's attention look at me i kneel and pray you all stand and pray you know if you if you are taking the posture with that kind of a thought in our minds if we are doing that external expression for the sake of you know impressing people then we are missing out on our genuineness in prayer and that prayer will not receive its reward and so jesus is talking about the posture the posture in prayer was standing which is quite respectful now if you sit down maybe before a person of authority that might be uh, perceived as disrespect if you sit down when somebody important walks in um uh, you know or you go to meet someone who is important you might stand if you're meeting the uh, vice chancellor of a university you might walk into his cabin and you will not just go pull a chair and sit down there unless he tells you to sit down <laughs> you know uh, or any any person in authority you might walk into your bob, boss's office or uh, your ceo's office but of course today in uh, our work culture things have changed um and it's more a flat structure and no more that uh, you know that boss is some kind of a very uh, fearful person that everybody will you know bow before him and bend down their knees before him of course work culture and uh, corporate culture has changed but the point is the posture when we meet someone respectful we would stand up when we uh, uh, when our parents walk in maybe we might stand up some of you might do so uh, or you know you meet someone important you might arise to greet them uh, you will not sit down and say oh hello welcome you know and shake your hands like that but you would probably rise up and uh, greet the other person as a matter of honor as a matter of respect as a matter of courtesy and and being uh, polite to them and not being disrespectful now while we meeting the king of kings and the lord of lords we ought to be respectful and reverential and so whether we stand or we kneel the point is the most important thing is our heart has to have that same attitude of reverence and not just externally for the sake of people around us because everybody you know will expect that we should kneel you don't have to necessarily kneel because everybody would you know only feel 
uh, think that you are really genuinely spiritual if you stand so for that sake you don't have to stand but of course when you stand in your heart when you kneel in your heart you will naturally your physical posture will change as well amen hallelujah you will naturally feel you know you will feel that you know i am not worthy in the presence of god i am not uh, i don't, i can't sit down cross legged and speak to jesus you know and you might take a different posture but the external posture is secondary but the internal posture is what is primary which jesus is driving at amen they are standing in the street corners they are standing in the synagogues and praying what is the posture that we take we come before the lord reverentially and express humility before god with a sense of submitting to god's authority with sincere love and gratitude and that posture is what god honors that internal posture is what good look god looks at man sees the face god looks at the heart amen hallelujah and so when you sincerely pray when you are engaging yourself in this good practice of prayer and which is not just for the sake of people to see but really because you want to connect with god and secondly the place where you pray doesn't matter wherever you are you can pray but the point is we're not taking any place to pray for the sake of public uh, visibility or for the sake of impressing others and the posture we take in prayer is to come before god with humility and sincere uh you know reverential worship before him that's what jesus says in verse number 9 then this is how you should pray the first thing that he instructs the disciples how they ought to pray is our father in heaven hallowed be your name our father in heaven connect with him as your heavenly father where he is not just some kind of a distant being who's up there in the clouds who does not know who we are or who does not care about us he is not some kind of a a parishion or some kind of a philosophy or he is not someone who is an impersonal being but he is a personal being like your own father like your own mother like your own you know beloved ones amen hallelujah that's how god is he's he loves us and that's how that's why he has created us uh, to be in a family to be in a community so that we can experience this uh, love within the community and this is simply an expression of the love which is in the community of the trinity the the godhead the father son and the holy spirit where they love one another and god created us and he loves us the same with his love with this unconditional love and so we can go to him uh, as a child would go to the father amen hallelujah and beginning there jesus is teaching there saying hallowed be your name that's the kind of posture that we come with with a worship a worshipful posture of humility and and glorifying his name and so the external posture is not the most important factor in terms of impressing others or how people would think or how we want to impress and make others think about us one of the things that we really struggle with many of us very often is uh, the issue of what would somebody think about me you know that's something that we always struggle with and very often we are very concerned and the more older you grow the more you become very conscious of what others will think about you when you are a child you simply don't care isn't it you do what you want you jump where you want you climb on a chair you could you know <laughs> do anything you simply not worried <laughs> but the more older you go the more you are concerned about what everybody will think what everybody will say what others will think about me that becomes a determining factor of everything that we do and when it comes to prayer also that becomes a determining factor 
because that philosophy that way of thinking becomes so much you know uh, uh, part of our whole system and our being that for everything we are only worried about what others will think and so somebody is going for a huge loan and struggling through a financial crisis because what others will think because they have to get this loan they have to buy this house because so that they can impress everybody and show everyone that they've also made it in life that they also bought this house now no problem with going for a loan buying a house you know some people go through this they have to put so much jewelry when their daughter gets married because everybody else in the family was also investing so much amount of money into you know the jewelry and so they have to do it they come under pressure because what will everybody say somebody will come and ask how much did you put for your daughter and if they say and we say we did only uh, we gave only 50000 rupees oh what will everybody say but if you say we gave 15 lakhs oh okay wow everybody will, you know everybody's eyes will pop out and so for that sake because you want people's eyes to pop out so you get to investing so much of money and all the savings of the father goes down the drain that one evening at light auditorium how sad i pray for all those fathers to be saved somehow from this kind of a you know hellish sitting where they have to sell themselves to get their children married we are in such a horrible culture where we everything is determined by what others think and what others will say so let's get this out of our system and also when it comes to prayer when it comes to the fasting when it comes to seeking the lord we are also again concerned about what others will think and so so for that sake everybody is lifting hands so okay let's look around everybody is lifting hands so let me also lift hands i don't know why they are lifting their hands but let me lift it <laughs> anyway so that let me be politically correct in this place <sighs> no we don't have to amen hallelujah praise the lord the posture that we take is something between you and god amen so god is looking for your heart and your sincerity of your heart your genuineness of your heart you might not look like you're very spiritual maybe you got that hairstyle which everybody think that you must be a certified sinner <laughs> maybe you got that style of dressing which you know anybody looks at you think that you might be some kind of a you know crazy person that's fine amen god is not bothered about what color dress you wear and what kind of clothing that you wear and what kind of hairstyle you have and uh, you know whether you have you know wear shoes or whether you have wear uh, you know uh, sandals or chappals Uh, you know where you have wear torn jeans or three fourths or whatever it might be amen hallelujah god is not concerned about you know all of that somebody came and was telling a very holy testimony you know some testimonies are more holier than others have you heard them you know i was wearing a pant and a shirt uh, a pant and a shirt and now god told me to wear you know a kurta and dhoti <laughs> one man stood up in a church and said this testimony and the pastor said sit down <laughs> because this is how people want to imp- the reason why he stood up and said that testimony was because he wanted to impress the senior pastor because that's the outfit the senior pastor was wearing 
so because he wanted to impress the pastor to say like i am also like you so he stood up and shared a testimony like that in the name of god you know and the pastor thankfully he had the presence of mind and the courage uh, to tell him to sit down <laughs> that's not a testimony so the point is not about our externals you know we we sometimes can be too much focusing on our external and actually missing out on our heart and losing our love for the lord the point is that you are spending time with the lord the point is that you are loving jesus more than anything else the point most important thing is that you seek the lord with all your heart that you have a heart of love and humility and you are submitting to him very genuinely hallelujah god looks at the heart man looks at the face hallelujah praise the lord you might want to even stand upside down and pray no problem god looks at your heart hallelujah but if somebody would do it just for the sake of impressing others what happens is that the bible says jesus is saying that they have received their reward in full there itself this is like that's it it's whatever they prayed for whatever nothing will work what what was the reward they were looking for they were looking for the the reward they were looking for is the attention from people the reward that they were looking for is that they wanted to impress others and show that they are more spiritual than others the reward that they were looking for is to feed for their feed their pride and they got their reward in full already and so he's telling us now the the next thing that i'm talking about is a product of prayer the result of prayer what what comes out of prayer the product of prayer is that the reward which they have already received they have already received it in full that is the applause of men it is only for the for that moment that they experience a reward and it's already over but whatever they've prayed for all through everything goes in vain none of it actually has any effect on their life they don't see the results of what they're praying for what they're asking the lord what they're petitioning what their requests are everything does not make any impact that prayer does not reach god that prayer you know ends there itself so what jesus is telling the disciples and the crowds that were hearing him is that you know the product of your reward god wants to reward you he wants to publicly honor you and answer you Hallelujah. The private prayer that you would do is something that will bring forth a reward publicly. Hallelujah. That's what he wants them to experience and not the reward to end there itself. And that's the fifth point. This is the private prayer in your room. So we're looking at the firstly we look at the practice of prayer, the the practice of the hypocrites, the places of the place of prayer, the posture in prayer, the product of prayer. is the reward we need to look at the reward that we want to make sure that we are in the right posture we are having the right attitude and the right spirit so that we will get the reward for what we are praying about and fifthly we are talking about the private prayer in your room shut the door it's a personal relationship between you and jesus yes it's good for us to come together and pray together in corporate prayer and we many times emphasize the need and the importance of that the power of corporate prayer and the way you can actually get stirred up to pray privately can actually be in a corporate prayer time 
while we come together and pray together you know there's a spirit of prayer the spirit of god is brooding and 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 uh, you know drawing everyone into prayer and intercession and spiritual warfare and so when we come together we get stirred up our hearts get stirred up the fire burns brighter we are uh, you know ignited with the fire of the holy spirit in such with such passion to pray more and so that will actually help our personal private prayer and so it's important that we gather together and pray and corporate prayers has its power and its impact at a very large level at the same time private prayer is necessary just praying in public praying together in a church service praying together in a prayer meeting alone is not enough or praying just pausing and closing your eyes when some preacher is preaching and then he is praying on a television program is not just enough but god wants you to pray that's why he began by saying when you pray hallelujah now the question we need to ask ourselves do i pray do i pray why don't you ask yourself <laughs> in your heart this morning do i pray and if you say i, I do pray yes when do you pray sometimes we can have a feeling that we are praying now would you be able to pinpoint at a time yesterday when you actually prayed oh saturday i prayed at this time when do you pray when did you pray if you prayed did you pray and if you prayed you would have prayed at a certain time so what was the time when you prayed so let's ask ourselves this question and see if we are actually praying why because prayer is our lifeline and we must be praying we need to pray if our life has to become better if things have to begin to begin to change we need to pray hallelujah we can't expect circumstances to change we can't expect people to change we can't expect blessings to come we can't expect for miracles to happen and hindrances to be removed unless we pray god wants us to pray prayer is simply a dependency on the lord amen prayer is simply acknowledging that god is there and we are depending on him and his power for him to do things in our lives prayer is simply giving up on our own wisdom giving up our own strength and our own capacity our own experiences or everything that we can do by ourselves jesus said without me you can do nothing without me you can do nothing if we simply have to do anything in this world in this life we ought to pray and not just for that we pray because we love him we pray because he loves us because we are in this love relationship with the lord it is not just a legalistic requirement that we need to pray to get things done but here it is prayer which is actually a relationship a connection that we make with god as i began by saying he is not an impersonal being but a very personal god who knows you who cares about you who loves you the people of israel were crying out they were crying out because of the pain and the suffering the slavery they were going through the slave masters were beating them up they were in, enforcing them to very heavy forced labor manual labor where they had to make bricks from straw and then after a while all of these raw materials also were stopped because moses was going and talking to pharaoh whatever god was putting in his heart and pharaoh got really upset and said you guys are wanting to go you know on a 3 day journey to worship me just because you want to escape this work now 
no raw material no supply of resources but you get your own raw materials but the production of bricks has to be the same he put them into more slavery more forced labor but they were crying out to god and they were crying out in their suffering they were crying out in their pain and you know what happened god was merciful god was compassionate on them god bring them and he could not keep quiet hearing their cries and seeing their pain hallelujah that's how god loves you that's how god wants to come to you that's how he wants to reach out to you and he's hearing your cry he's hearing your seeing your pain he's seeing the tears that go come from your face you know from your eyes as you spend sleepless nights as you get so tormented mentally in your mind and so uncomfortable and so disturbed you know while you can't even you can't even think what you're doing you don't even have the capacity to think and do something rightly while you're standing at the door you're thinking whether am i going out or am i coming in it's not a problem of aging but it's a problem of your mind because you're so overwhelmed with so much of pain so much of anxiety that you're so troubled and disturbed that you do not know what is happening you can't even think straight you can't even have the right mind to think and process things and take the right decision you're not able to go to a certain place you're not able to you know dress up well you're not able to even comb your hair you know why because there's so much of pain nothing makes sense in this life nothing makes sense in this world nothing seems to be of any value and worth everything seems to be so dark your life has become so dark if that is where you are jesus loves you hallelujah he sees you he knows your pain he sees your tears he knows your untold agony unspeakable agony and he just wants you to pray to him hallelujah because he loves you he wants you to love him back and when you get into this beautiful connection with him in this private prayer time go into a room shut the door as jesus said and pray to your father secretly and the god who is unseen who sees your secret prayer will reward you publicly hallelujah hallelujah god will reward you for your private prayer we don't have any other agenda when we go to god it's not for our name or our fame it's not for money it's not for glory for ourselves well we go to the presence of god but we our focus is on him our focus on him we are not here trying to impress anybody but let's just go alone and be in the presence of the lord yes well two or three are gathered together in my name i will be there jesus said that is biblical coming together as a corporate prayer jehoshaphat gathers a whole nation including the children babies everybody come together and pray yes god answers that prayer there is also and clear emphasis in the scriptures about personal private prayer you see jesus himself running away from the crowds going up early before he meets the people in the morning because right in the morning people will be there at the doorstep so he goes up before people come he goes on a mountain side to pray he goes privately to he sends away the disciples he's not even hanging out with the disciples all the time oh here i am to do ministry so let me be doing more and more ministry and it's only 3 and 1/2 years that i have time so whatever i can i must do and so i must do it quickly and so he was not just pouring out his life only in ministry in serving people but he also took time off to pray 
Hallelujah. He went fasting and praying for 40 days. It was all by himself. Before he launched into public ministry, he actually went on a private prayer. And that was why he comes full of the Holy Spirit. After he was baptized, the Spirit of the Lord comes upon him and he comes into a powerful ministry of healing signs and wonders and miracles and casting out de demons and raising the dead and preaching the good news of the gospel and ushering in the kingdom of God. It is a very huge task to do. It's a challenging task to do. And he's going against the whole religious system of his day and the leaders and the elders, the religious heads, he's going against everything. He begins the ministry with a cleansing of the temple and closes the ministry with a cleansing of the temple by taking the whip because of the hypocrisy and the pharisaical attitude with which people were living. They were just putting on an external show and Jesus is dealing with all of this. But how could you, he do all of this? It's only because he was always praying. The Bible says that he was crying out to the father and because of his many cries he was heard. As he submitted to the father. If Jesus himself needed to pray. How much more we need to pray. Hallelujah. If Jesus needed the, the guidance. And the wisdom. And the help. And the uh, you know uh, leading of the father. In everything that he did. And that's what he says. That whatever I hear my father say. I speak whatever he tells me to do. I do. If he needed the father's guidance. And the leading. And the wisdom. And the words to speak. How much more we need. Our Heavenly Father's wisdom and the guidance, the words to speak and the decisions to be made. We need God to be leading us and guiding us. And how can we receive God's leading and guidance? But by praying. Hallelujah. And so God is wanting us to get back to our private rooms, personal prayer. Shut the door. Go alone and pray. It's a personal relationship that Jesus expects He's calling us to focus on him alone. He wants us to be real and not to put on a show of religiosity and we don't have to put on any religious form or a method to keep. We don't have to be lighting candles. We don't have to be giving certain sum of money to any ministry or a church for God to hear us. Of course, we give as a matter of honor and it's a matter of acknowledging God and thanking God and the heart of gratitude as we give. But that's not what God is expecting. It's not our money. It's not our wealth or it's not any kind of rituals that we need to perform before God to impress him or to gain his attention. But we just come as we are. Hallelujah. No matter what you have done, no matter how far you've gone, no matter how less you know about God, you still can pray to him. Hallelujah. Get into your room, shut the door and pray. He wants you to be real. And that's a place where you can sort out things privately. Private relationships are places where you actually are able to sort out certain things. If there are issues in a relationship, you can sort out things. You can be real to pour out your heart of ang in anguish. You can pour out your soul. You can cry. You can weep. You can say, this is what I feel. Look at the Psalms of David. That was personal Psalms. It was not a group of poets who were writing them something together. He was pouring out his heart in pain, in agony, in times of need, in times of desperation. He was crying out to God and whatever he cried out, Psalm 51, as he you know, was repenting from adultery and murder, 
He cries out before God. He prays privately. Personal private prayer. At times when he can sort out things. While he can reconcile with God. Where he can you know come out of sins. In a public place of prayer like this. I don't know if there's anybody who will rise up and say. Lord forgive me because I have been lustful. Last whole week. Those are things that you would. Be able to sort out in a personal private prayer. Amen. Hallelujah. And so he's calling us for a sincere heart to heart relationship in private. And look at what the people of Israel were doing in Zechariah chapter 7 and verses 5 and 6. Zechariah chapter 7 verses 5 and 6. Let's read from verse 4. Then the word of the Lord Almighty came to me. Ask all the people of the land and the priests. When you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh months for the past 70 years. Was it really for me that you fasted? When you were eating and drinking, when you're not just feasting for, for were you not fe- just feasting for yourselves? Are these not the words the Lord proclaimed through the earlier prophets when Jerusalem and its surrounding towns were at rest and prosperous and the Negev and the western foothills were settled? While they were, f- while they were settled, well settled. While they were prosperous, while they were at rest, what they were doing is that they were not really fasting and mourning In the fifth and the seventh months when they did each year, they were not doing it for the Lord. Well, they came before the Lord and feasted and they ate and drank according to the Old Testament practice of celebrating the feasts of the Lord. They did not do it as unto the Lord. They were just doing it for their own self-pleasure. When they would come in the time of the feasts, for example, the Feast of Tabernacles, they would have to come and eat together and celebrate. It was a feasting. Festival of feasting. I'm sure many people would say amen to that this morning. Hallelujah. And, but they were not just feasting for themselves, not for their own stomachs. Because they liked the barbecue and the, you know, they were having amazing barbecue stuff those days itself. They were roasted the whole lamb and, and ate together. And see, people's eyes are brightening up this morning. Some are waking up from their sleeps. Now, they were doing all of these things not just for themselves, God instituted the feast so that they would remember how the people of Israel were in a tabernacle in tents. While they were wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, they were in tents and they would have to remember how the Lord led them through the wilderness in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night and through these tents, God was with them. How he led them, how he blessed them, how he provided manna and quail for them every day. And so today, for generations to come, they would have to celebrate the feast so that they will remember how the Lord blessed them and how the Lord provided for them, how the Lord preserved them in these tents for 40 years. That's why they would have to eat these feasts. But when they were eating now, they were not thinking of what God did for them, for their ancestors, and how God is still protecting them in their houses and giving them living places and food to eat. They're not thankful to God for that, but they're just eating for themselves. When they're fasting, they're not fasting and really seeking the Lord. But they just did it ritualistically. Where their hearts were away from the Lord. And so God is calling them to a sincere heart-to-heart private relationship. They did the rituals rightly. But they had no heart and devotion to God. You see, many men who met God alone had an amazing result in their life. 
the product of their prayer the result of their prayer the the what produced what came out of their prayer the the things that came out of their prayer was incredible look at moses 40 days and 40 nights he was up the mountain he saw the glory of god he received the 10 commandments which nobody else received 40 days and 40 nights jacob was alone through the night wrestling with the angel of the lord and asking and praying would you bless me i will not leave you unless you bless me and then you know what happened that ancient enmity that he had with esau which was not resolved even though a long time span had gone between him and esau now when he's getting back and after he had this encounter with the lord privately all through the night he sent away all his family and everybody made them to cross the brook and go on the other side but he remained on the other side and prayed and he wrestled with god all through the night and then you see when he meets esau esau le- treats kindly treats him kindly forgives him he was going to take his life esau was going to kill jacob but jacob because he wrestled with god that enmity was changed the relationship broken relationship was mended hallelujah how many ever years may it have passed away if you privately prayer go into your room shut the door and pray your relationships will get restored you will get reconciled the hardness of heart the the anger the bitterness the hatred everything will flee away from the other person's heart you cannot argue and change them you cannot blame and change them you cannot accuse them and change them you cannot prove that you're right and change them but you go into your room and close the door and pray privately hearts will change minds will change hardness will change hallelujah praise the lord god wants you to pray if you don't pray your life is going to remain miserable if you pray your life is bound to change hallelujah if you pray your life is bound to change there's no other way but it will change because there is power in prayer because prayer is real god answers prayer god answers the cry of your heart when you pray privately jacob wrestled and had a victory in the relationship with his brother hallelujah it was ever changed forever he escaped the wrath of his brother jabus prayed jabus prayed lord expand my territory and deliver me from pain we do not know whatever pain that he was going through we do not know whatever you know way he was limited and he was bound but because he prayed god you know blessed him the bible says he expanded his territory and set him free from pain hezekiah had to settle accounts with god else he would simply die and the prophecy had come through isaiah the prophet saying hezekiah put your house in order otherwise you're going to die he's not talking about the physical house he's talking about his heart if you will put your heart in order you're not going to die you're going to survive and god immediately he turned around to the wall and immediately he cried out to god and prayed lord have mercy on me and even before isaiah the prophet could leave the courtyard of the palace while he was yet to even step out and go out the word of god comes back to him again God relents from sending calamity and chooses to bless him with a 15 years extension of his life his life his life he got back his life through personal private prayer because he came privately before God and settled accounts with God do you have unsettled accounts with God 
is it a personal private sin of pornography of lust of an illicit relationship with somebody is there something that actually is stopping you and god is something that has come into your heart which has taken the place of god is there something which is a sin which has come inside that has the power to destroy your life have you given room for something you need to get down on your knees and pray privately and settle your accounts with god are you in a relationship with somebody else and you're trying to seek for a marriage proposal and you're saying to trying to seek for a partner for yourself will you're actually having a another relationship you've given your heart to somebody else and you're also seeking for god's will it won't work whatever whatever be the private things you need to settle accounts with god get right with god clear out whatever which is wrong and come clean before god in your private time of prayer and then you will see like hezekiah's life was blessed 15 more years was added god will add blessings into your life he turned to the wall and prayed and he was forgiven and he got an extension of his life david repented alone he he, he was not he was not afraid he was not ashamed of coming out and crying and falling down before god and not eating fasting and praying because of the adultery and the murder that he had committed he prayed when he was confronted by the prophet nathan he willingly accepted it when god is speaking to you through prophets would you willingly accept it if you resist it if you don't like it even god can't help you when god speaks to you when god is convicting you when god is sending his prophets when god is speaking to you bringing you a conviction like isaiah brought to hezekiah like nathan brought to david when god is speaking go into your private room cry and pray and say yes lord i want to change i want to repent i want to turn my life around i want to come clean before you if you will change everything will change hallelujah would you tell yourself if i change Come on say it out loud. Everything will change. If I change, everything will change. If I change, everything will change. Hallelujah. Amen. If you do you believe that? If you believe that, it's good for you. Hallelujah. If you if you get into your room and if you go into your private space and cry out to be, before God and say instead of you know accusing others or in, instead of blaming the situation or instead of blaming the time instead of blaming the witchcraft or something you go and pray how long do you spend time crying out before god and do you settle accounts with god once in a while or periodically the woman caught in the act of adultery was standing alone before god everybody left her whoever has no sin let him be the first to cast a stone jesus said and everybody began to leave immediately the accusers of this adulterous woman who was caught in the act of adultery but here she was standing alone before jesus and jesus said to her neither do i condemn you go and sin no more when we go into the presence of god he is not going to condemn us he is going to forgive us he is going to tell you go and sin no more 
Hallelujah. And so you don't have to be afraid to come to the presence of God. And so you don't have to be afraid to come on your knees and pray. You might feel guilty. You might feel ashamed. You might feel that, you know, what have I done with my life? You might look like a perfect idiot in your own eyes. You might say, what a fool I have been. I have been so stupid in the things that I have done, in the choices that I have made. You might regret, you might, you might feel so miserable about yourself, but that is fine. You can go and say, Lord, I feel like a fool. I have done things like such a foolish way. You can be open before God. Hallelujah. Whatever you feel, you can tell everything before God. Your mistakes, your shortcomings, your failures, your foolishness, your wrong decisions. Everything can be poured out in the presence of God. And I want to tell you a secret this morning. That Jesus will not let out your secrets. Hallelujah. You can have 100% confidence that Jesus will not let out your secrets. Hallelujah. You can tell him everything that you have done. You might feel so ashamed of yourself to even face yourself in the mirror when you think about those things. But you can tell Jesus openly. And he's not going to condemn you, but he's going to forgive you and bless you. Hallelujah. Be quick to settle accounts with God. Don't have a long overdue. Of taking too much of credit from him. You know what happens if you go on a credit card too much? You get into a very big debt over a period of time. <laughs> Don't take too much. <laughs> uh, what do you call that? Um, uh, in the banking system where they uh, draw out. Uh, even if they don't have a balance. Overdraft. Right? OD. Don't, don't live your life on an OD. Get some savings and balance the accounts with God. Hallelujah. Amen. Jesus went out fasting and praying. Jesus went out praying alone. Peter was in Joppa and he was up on a roof praying alone when he suddenly had this vision that God gave him about Cornelius and the, and the, and the Gentiles and the the house of Cornelius and the direction to go to the house of Cornelius. You will receive God's clear guidance when you are in prayer. Sometimes you might be praying and also fall asleep. But God might give you a vision. Hallelujah. God will give you a vision as you pray. Peter was there praying alone and God was speaking to him. God was revealing what he needed to go, what he needed to do, where he needed to go, what he must speak how he must act now. He was this Jew, Jew type, you know, where he would look at the Gentiles as outcasts. And so he said, he thought that the gospel and everything in Jesus was only for the Jews and not for the Gentiles. But here God is speaking to him and saying, showing to him all kinds of animals, four-footed reptiles in this time when he's hungry and the food is being prepared and he's praying. It's a wrong time to pray, first of all, but good that he prayed. But good that he prayed because, because he prayed, he saw this vision of four-footed animals and God said, get up, kill and eat. And he said, oh, these are unclean animals. I'm a Jew. I'm holy. But Jesus said, don't call what God has called clean as unclean. What Jesus was exactly 
teaching him was don't call the Gentiles as unclean. Because the gospel has to go for the whole, all of the world, all the nations of the world, even to the Gentiles. And so Jesus was just helping that wrong concept to change in his mind. Sometimes we can be like, you know, with some misconceptions, we can be believing the wrong things and processing things the wrong way. But when we pray, God will clear out things and take away the confusion and remove the roadblocks in our lives. And because this roadblock was removed in Peter's life, he was able to step out, go to Cornelius' house, eat with him, pray, preach. And instantly the Holy Spirit came on all of them who were listening to the word and they were baptized. And then on, he takes the gospel to the Gentiles and is defending you know, the, the progression of the gospel to the Gentiles because the Jews were against it. God is using him in a strategic way. Hallelujah. You see, many things will begin to happen when you pray privately. Your own life will begin to change. The way God will begin to use you will begin to change. The, the way God clears out the confusions in your life, the roadblocks that are removed, will all that will go away and you will come out with much clarity and direction and you will receive the direction of the Lord in your life, in your personal life, in your family life, with your profession, with the concepts, the way you perceive life, everything will begin to change as you go into the presence of God. Hallelujah. That's why I said if you change, everything will change. Let your prayer life change from this morning. The good news is that this is a promise. There's a promise of his reward publicly. Public reward. When you go and pray privately, God keeps an account of your sincere prayers and your heart of humility and the good posture that you've taken in his presence and the way you've gone and shut yourself and you are staying in the presence of God and no one can underestimate the power and the product, the result of this powerful private prayer. Hallelujah. Maybe you are wondering, what is God doing with my life? Nothing seemed to be happening. But as you pray, things will begin to change and suddenly one day, you're going to experience a public honor as a result of an answer to prayer. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. No one can underestimate the power of your private prayer. No one can underestimate the power of your private prayer. You need to look for your place. You need to look for your private time with the Lord. You need to start witnessing miracles publicly. You need to start seeing answers publicly. You need to start seeing visible changes publicly. Amen. How many of us want to see things change on the outside? Amen. You want to see changes happening in your life, in your family, in your situations, in your work, profession, your income? The way God wants to use you, you need answers. Yes, we all need it. God will answer you publicly. Quickly, we're going to close with two verses. Just the reading of these two verses. Second Chronicles and chapter number 15. Second Chronicles, chapter number 15. And verse number 2. He went out to meet Asa and said to him, Listen to me, Asa and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you when you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Read also with me in Joshua chapter 14. And verses 6 to 13. Joshua 14. Verses 6 to 13. 
Now the men of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal and Caleb son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite said to him you know that the Lord said to Moses the man of God at Kadesh Barnea about you and me Joshua is telling I was 40 years old when Moses the servant of the Lord sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land and I brought him back a report according to my convictions but my brothers who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt with fear I over followed the Lord my God what does it say wholeheartedly amen many people follow god but only some follow wholeheartedly that is what makes a difference everybody prays but only some pray wholeheartedly everybody believes in jesus but only some believe wholeheartedly everybody says i have surrendered all everybody sings that song i surrender all but only some surrender wholeheartedly that's what makes the difference just between the two men and the whole nation of israel what made the difference was they devoted to the lord they were devoted to the lord wholeheartedly i was 40 years old and i come back and i am follow the lord my god wholeheartedly says and then on the day moses swore to me was nine the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever because you have followed the lord my god wholeheartedly now then just as the lord promised he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he has said to moses while israel moved about in the desert so here i am today 85 years old i am still as strong today as the day moses sent me out i am just as vigorous to go out to battle now as i was then now give me the hill country that the lord promised me that day you yourself heard them then that the anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified but the lord helping me i will drive them out just as he said at 85 he was still ready for a fresh war at 85 he was ready for a fresh challenge some people will say what i was able to do at 40 i am not able to do now some of us are saying what i was able to do at 15 i am not able to do now at 25 but because for the lord wholeheartedly god gave him such grace and strength at 85 to be like 40 I'm just vigorous as I was at 40. I'm ready for another war. Hallelujah. This can only come by the help of God. This is because of Joshua was as a man who followed the Lord wholeheartedly. Then Joshua blessed Caleb son of Jephunneh and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. Joshua and Caleb were these two men. And then there was rest from the war in verse 15. But you know what? all the people of israel at mount sinai when moses came with the tablets they said we will all obey to whatever the lord says we they all bowed down to god they said whatever you say we will obey whatever the lord says we will obey but they said it only by word of mouth but there were only two men out of a whole nation who actually followed god wholeheartedly maybe next to moses although it doesn't mention here moses of of course these were the only two men of that generation who was able to enter into the promised land it was this man joshua on whom the mantle of moses fell because he followed the lord wholeheartedly 
Hallelujah. He was leading. He was going to lead the people of Israel. Leadership doesn't come easily. It comes as you pay a price in private prayer and following God wholeheartedly. Hallelujah. Many of us pray, Lord, use me powerfully. But it comes when you privately pray, when you seek the Lord. And it says in Exodus chapter 33 and verse 11. And let me close with this. Exodus chapter 33. And verse number 11. Verse 7 onwards, let's read. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances of their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance where the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance to his tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man would speak to his friend. Then Moses would return to the camp. Read it there in verse 11, the last phrase. But his young aide, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Moses would come, God would come in a pillar of cloud, they would have a meeting in the tent of meeting, Joshua was also there along with Moses as an assistant. Right there, God spoke to Moses face to face, God finished the task, you know, God finished the conversation, left and would go out. The Lord would go, Moses would also leave the tent of meeting, but the young aide, Joshua, would not leave the tent of meeting. There you see a real, genuine experience of seeking the Lord sincerely. It is not just, oh, service is over. I came today, I attended the meeting, I finished. Okay, let's go. Moses himself is gone, let's go home. It's time for some chicken. How much more Joshua would have wanted to go and check his WhatsApp messages. Then Moses, this Moses comes and every time Moses comes, I have to be there, what to do? How, how desperate Joshua would have been for this, you know, to get back home quickly and to have lunch. Because mother was doing biryani that morning. But even when Moses left, Joshua the young aide did not leave. That is what made Joshua who he became. To be the man who would cross the river Jordan and take the people of Israel into the promised land, which even Moses did not have the privilege of doing so. Joshua had the privilege of doing it. Hallelujah. It comes out of personal private prayer. The results of private prayer is incredible. And so I'm calling each one of us. The spirit of the Lord. The word of the Lord is calling each one of us. To private personal prayer. How long should I pray? However long you want to. And until you feel satisfied that you have prayed and you have met with the Lord. Hallelujah. Pray until you feel satisfied. Don't set the clock and the alarm for prayer. What I mean is to wake up and pray you can set an alarm. But not to finish the prayer. Pull the battery out. 
if you think that you all the always looking at the time when you're going to pray do something switch off your phone i do that otherwise it's it's a natural temptation to always when something is beeping and and the screen is automatically is illuminating and then you have also those blinkers there blue and green and then if it's a whatsapp it's in green if it's a text message it's blue and by the color itself you know what's coming up there and who could be texting right away especially you on hundreds of groups of all kinds you can be so much distracted and lose concentration to pray but i'm asking us would you shut down everything else and just be privately sitting in the presence of god and pray hallelujah amen and the reward that you're going to receive publicly are going to be manifold and every one of these men about whom we looked at of how they had a personal private prayer and the things that came out of that is phenomenal is simply phenomenal hallelujah what you will see in your life what you will see in your family what you will see in the generations to come what you will see in your work the situations that you will see change will be phenomenal the way god will lead you he will speak to you he will bring clarity he will help you take the right decisions everything that god will do he will reveal his glory he will extend your life he will bless you in such a manner that you will not imagine leadership and ministry will come to you Amen. God will make you very useful and fruitful when you privately pray. He will answer you publicly. Hallelujah. Shall we close our eyes and look to God in prayer?